Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. Hey, Slate Online, it's so good to see you. And for those of you that are tuning in in uh, Slate Locals or our Locals Plus, uh, it's good to have you. Um, hello to those of you watching in Coburg and Cambridge and all over Ontario. Uh, we're just so thankful for you guys. And um, we're walking into a new series, a new series of talks with our, our new series, Child Again. And I really enjoyed spending the last couple of weeks walking through the book of Matthew. And like we said before, we're going to be returning back to the book of Matthew and walking uh, through it verse by verse, line by line, getting a greater understanding of, of Jesus and why he came and a greater understanding of how scripture was written and that sort of thing. And it was really great. But now we are about to start a new series called Child Again. And this has been on, um, I was going to say on the back burner as if like somehow we forgot it was there. But no, it's been kind of boiling for a long time and it's been being prepared and, and we're really thrilled actually to be in a season now where we can go through this. So for the next five weeks, we're going to be in this series called Child Again, all about how we can either reclaim our identity as children of God or um, claim that identity for the first time. And there's certainly going to be some people that are watching and tuning in today, or maybe you're watching with other people in, in your living room or that sort of thing, where this is a new concept for you. And so I hope that by the end of today, you'll get a bit of an, a, a better understanding of what we're talking about and that this can be a great encouragement to you as, uh, as we go throughout this series. You know, this series has a lot of different creative elements. You probably already have seen some of those in, uh, already, whether you follow us on Instagram or even through um, today's uh, online uh, service. Um, but we are actually also building up to a final week where it's going to be a digital presentation, if you will. It's going to be um, a, a video formatted um, uh, message, and it's going to really follow kind of my own journey through um, finding my identity as a child of God um, over just a child of my earthly father. Um, and so that's going to be really awesome. We're crafting it. We've been working on it for a little while now. We're filming it in just a week from now and it's going to get edited and all the rest. And everybody a part of that process is really excited because the attempt is to basically um, uh, open up my life in a more vulnerable way and kind of show how we can grow from our identity as earthly children to having a, an, an identity as uh, a child of, of our Heavenly Father. And so we're really excited about that. We, I have a lot of different parts of the Bible that I'm going to be jumping into and jumping out of. I'm going to try to reference as much of it as I go along as possible so that you can follow along and even take some notes and reference back to it later. This is one of those topics and this is one of, the, uh, one of those series that um, truly can make a big difference on your life moving forward. If you allow it to, what we are talking through over the next five weeks can actually um, really dramatically change our interior worlds, which will therefore have an impact on our exterior worlds. So many of us want to find fulfillment in this life. We want to find contentment. We want to find, uh, we, we want to feel and, and know that our life has purpose and meaning and, and um, that, that what we're putting our time to and our efforts towards actually means something. 
And this is one of those series because it's, it's not just about what we do, it's actually about who we are. It's about our identity. It's about um, the way that we actually see ourselves before God. If we can understand this, if we can get this into not only our, our minds, but also allow it to, to fit into our hearts, um, this is something that will actually aid us for the rest of our lives. It will aid us because now we won't be working um, uh, we won't be working to just try to make all of the religious things happen in our lives or the perceived commandments we feel we have to follow, but it, we'll actually be working from a different place. We'll be working from a different reality. We'll have a new lens on life that will actually allow us to find the fulfillment that all of us are looking for. Child again is all about the process that takes place when we realize that Jesus paid a price on a cross for our sins, not just so that we can have a better life, but then so we can have a new identity in him and in God our Father. You know, he says, ye must be born again. And I don't know why I just quoted the King James Version. <laughs> you must be born again. Um, and that's, a, like, that's a, 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 a spiritual rebirth. It's an identity shift. It's a trading of, um, of ourselves for a new identity. And of course, when Jesus uttered these words, one of the religious leaders um, during the day said, what do you mean I must be born again? Like, how could I possibly go back into my mother's womb? And Jesus begins to unpack what that looks like. So over these next five weeks, that's what we're going to unpack. Before we go any further, why don't we pray? Um, and then we're going to open up God's word, tell some stories, learn together, and hopefully go out of this place understanding a little bit more about how God sees us. Jesus, I thank you so much that we get to gather wherever we find ourselves. God, for those of us that are watching alone, I pray that you would continue to put people on our hearts and our minds that would be able to um, uh, take in the service with us, that we might actually be a body of believers together, that we wouldn't be so individualized. Maybe we need to find somebody to watch with. Maybe we need to invite somebody over. So God, maybe, may you give us um, names and faces and that sort of thing of people that we could do this with. Um, and also give us the courage and the boldness to invite people into what you're doing in our lives through the Slate Church online community. God, for those that are watching in our Locals Plus, these small groups that are actually going to become locations at some point, God, may you birth something in us new and afresh. God, may this identity that we've been carrying, if it doesn't align with the identity you want, to, you want us to have, God, may we discard it as no longer useful and may we um, take on the identity that you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I remember being a, a child and, and having such good memories. You know, some of my earliest memories of uh, childhood include um, being raised in uh, Coburg, Ontario. And uh, I remember the house that was actually constructed there. I remember the frame going up. I remember them before that laying the foundation. I remember climbing in the rafters before they got the roof on. I remember they were drilling our well and all this like, I don't know if it would have been clay, was like coming out of the well. And I remember getting uh, my, my, my shoes stuck in the clay while we were there. And if I had some words to characterize growing up, it would have been innocence. Uh, wonder. Um, from this perspective, it would be things like nostalgia and ease, um, light, uh, just a whole bunch of words that kind of encapsulate a time in my life that I didn't really have a lot of worries. You know, the burden on my life was really light. Um, I didn't have a lot to think about. A lot of things were taken care of for me. 
Um, and I just kind of like moved through life. You know, mom and dad told me where I was going to go and what we we're going to do that night and all the rest. And I understand today that that's not everybody's experience. Not everybody had this light and one wonder filled childhood and, and, and all the rest. And so maybe your starting point for understanding God as father is much different than my understanding. Um, but even if your understanding of, of father and, and God as father is similar to my understanding, um, most of us watching today, if you're not a child, have gone through this process of growing up and growing older and, and having to refine ourselves and, and begin to understand what it looks like to not be living under um, mom and dad's house anymore, but actually going out on our own and rediscovering who we are in light of being a part of the world and figuring out who we are and what, what, the, what, what, what on earth am I doing here? And so for all of us, when we talk about this idea of child again, and today specifically we're talking about fatherly love and our, our heavenly father, uh, father's love for us, that can be a, a confusing um, thing for us because historically, I mean, fathers haven't been very good at showing love. Um, uh, parents haven't always done a good job. We live on um, a, a certain side of eternity that doesn't allow us to always lean into what does that actually mean that God is our heavenly father. Romans 8, 14 to 17 says this, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. So those who are led by the spirit of God, if we allow God's spirit to lead us, we are children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves. It doesn't make you captive. It doesn't make you constricted by life's worries. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't um, uh, leave you feel um, exhausted and, and, and uh, uh, closed in. So it doesn't make you slaves. So you live in fear again. Again, when we, when we, before we receive Jesus, before we um, become a part of the family of God, fear is a large motivator for most of the things that we do in our lives. But as Christians, we can live apart from that fear because of the spirit that lives in us and the spirit that we are being led by. So we don't have to live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you have received brought, brought about your adoption to, um, to sonship or being a child of God. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with, with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Now, I, I, um, I don't like talking about death. Um, em and I sat down a long time ago right after our daughter Kensington was born to put together our will. And uh, so Emma gets all these papers together and I remember sitting down and she's like, okay, so like, um, we're just going to go through a couple of questions. Let's get our will together. I'm like, okay, let's do this. Like, I'm really excited. Um, let's just get this out of the way. We'll get it done with. Don't really like death, but, but this is going to be a good process. So we sat down, we're at our kitchen table and Emma asks the first question. She's like, okay, so we gotta, we gotta decide like, who are our kids going to go to if we die? And I looked at her and I said, let's do this another time. <laughs> and I like, well, got up from the table, I walked away, because I cannot stand it. Now, I know some other families um, are so comfortable with the idea of death that I know, um, and I, I thought this was um, unique to um, a family that I know uh, closely, but it's actually something that families do, where they will literally, um, nearing the end of, 
um, somebody's life, they will start writing names on the bottom of furniture and that sort of thing so that when that person dies, they know who it goes to. And I'm like, that's wild. I don't understand that. But that's a little bit of what we get here. So when, when the Bible describes us as heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, we are heirs of the things that God has created. Remember, in the book of Genesis, God has created all these things. He's created freedom. He's created abundance. He's created um, joy and, and discovery and curiosity and all these things that are wrapped up in childhood so often and meant to be experienced in adulthood. These are things that Christ experiences as, as God's child. But as we accept Jesus, we get to accept these things as well. We get to accept a perpetual, eternal life with God that is free from worry, is free from death, is free from grief, is free from all of these different things. And that is what we inherit because of what we receive through Jesus. Now, this is, this is great to know. Um, um, but when we actually analyze our actual experience of this life, it's a little bit different, isn't it? Because... Um, some of the reasons and some of the things that we are struggling with now as adults actually have a lot to do with what we experienced as children, whether it be the trauma that we experienced. And trauma is defined very differently for a lot of us that are watching right now. Maybe it was an absent parent. Maybe it was something to the degree of abuse. And what type of abuse? Only you know, and, and, and potentially you've shared that with somebody. But for some of us, it's the criticism that was once a parent's, but now it's become our own voice criticizing ourselves. For a lot of us, um, the, 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 the things that we're dealing with from our childhood into adulthood actually have to do a lot with perceived expectations that were placed on us and the things that we, um, we don't know how to deal with. You know, it's one thing to start to accept this idea that God could be our father, but in reality, there's really only two options for us. We're either a father of God or we're a father of the devil. In John 8, 42 to 47, Jesus is speaking, he said, If God were your father, you would love me, for I've come here from God. I've not come on my own, God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to the father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies... He speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Now, I'm not trying to suggest today that we need to figure out whether or not the devil is our father or God is our father. Although what I am saying is that while some of us might proclaim God to be our father, we might be struggling with a lot of attributes that actually um, have a lot to do with the devil being our father. Lies about ourselves. Lack of truth about who we are and our identities. Maybe allowing the, the, the criticism and the expectations and the trauma of our past to actually color our view of who God is. And so therefore, we're not actually experiencing God as father as he would intend us to experience it. You know, I went through some of the darkest moments of my life a year ago. And I'll only be so open about that today because I want to make sure that I'm also fully healed from those moments myself. But some of the things that I started to realize that I was dealing with was expectations that were perceived, not actually placed on me, from my childhood. From a young age, 
I was kind of like a, a, I mean, a pretty normal kid to my expectations. And, and, and my measurement of normal would just be in relation to all the other kids on my street. I understand that my street is not the experience of all the other streets out in the world. And um, depending on what street you grew up in and the context you grew up in, your definition of normal would be different than the one that I have. But my childhood would have been somewhat normal. We played, uh, you know, capture the flag all throughout our neighborhood, manhunt. Um, there were no fences in my neighborhood, so we literally hide in people's sheds <laughs> and all the rest. Thank God we didn't live in the States, accidentally get shot, something like that. Um, but that was kind of our childhood. We just had a lot of fun. It was carefree. It was that sort of thing. But I began to realize at a young age that a lot of the authority figures in my life doted on me or, or loved me more, I, 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 I perceived, if I was doing well in certain areas of my life. If I got good grades, my teachers seemed to love me more. If I brought home a good report card, it seemed like my parents were really happy with that. It seemed as if, you know, if I, if I did well in running or I got involved in something and all of a sudden I, I became a good person, even in a school club, then the teacher would pull me out and call me up to a leadership. And of course, this is what happens in life. Nobody's looking for the kid that doesn't show up to make them a leader like that. These are very normal expressions and it's nobody's fault that I would have grown up with this idea that that the only way that I'm valuable to those around me is if I'm doing well and if I'm leading well and if I'm but this is the identity that I started bringing into my adulthood all of a sudden the pandemic hits and I'm struggling with things like I don't even think I'm a good father I don't know how to pastor because I've never pastored in a pandemic before I feel like I'm doing awful in that I started struggling with like, I don't, like, why in the world does Emma love me? Like, and it was because we were in a season where all of a sudden it was really hard to get wins. It was really hard to like be leading at the top. It was really hard to live out of this expectation that everything's great and all the markers and milestones that I would use internally, subconsciously to determine whether or not I was of value to the people around me were no longer firing. And so I felt less than, I felt like nobody cared. I felt like and of course, that's not true. I'm still here today and there's many people that loved me now that loved me then. And there was nothing that changed with the people around me. And, and yet my interior world was caving inside of me. And this is what happens when we, when we don't deal with childhood wounds. In fact, sometimes we're distrusting to the people around us because we couldn't trust those that were raising us when we were children. Sometimes we are needlessly closed off to people around us because we're preserving a part of ourselves in adulthood because of something that somebody took from us as a child. Sometimes we are, um, we, we are reactive and overreactive to the people around us because it was the only way we could ever get anything when we were a kid is if we forced our way through. And so a lot of the things we deal with in adulthood are actually attributed to a lot of these traumas and and expectations and criticisms that we picked up as a child. And now as we're growing into adulthood, we have to make a decision. Who's going to be our father now? The biblical idea of parenthood is that parents would steward their children into a relationship with their heavenly father. And the, and the, and the completion of that narrative is that the child actually sees them, the, themselves more as God's child than, than even their, their, their earthly parents um, uh, offspring. And now this isn't in like some, some weird 
cultish way or, or, or however you might define that. But this is actually in the, in the sense that as a father right now, I understand that Theo and Kenzie and Claire and our baby to come, that these are, these are children that we're responsible for. But at some point, they're going to be their own adults making their own decisions. And they need to make a decision whether or not they're going to set up God as their heavenly father or the enemy of God as their, as their father. And in that decision, we get two very different realities in which we live by. But so often, even when we choose God as our Heavenly Father, we still allow the things that the enemy did in our lives, in our past, often through other people, to keep us from having the, 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 the lightness and the wonder and the amazement in our relationship with our Heavenly Father that we so often desire. And so the question becomes, well, how do we get there? How do we get to a point where we can receive what God has for us? As I was preparing this message, I was reflecting on my kids' relationship with me and my kids' relationship with Emma. And I don't know if you're a parent or maybe you could go back to some um, suppressed memories of your childhood around bedtime. But as a, as a parent, bedtime is like the one critical moment in our day that it, it could like tilt the, the day one way or the other. You know, it's a little bit like going, if you don't have kids, it's a little bit like going out for um, dinner and they have this beautiful dinner. You've, you know, you've really thoroughly enjoyed it. Maybe you got an appetizer because you're like, you know what, I'm gonna treat myself. Maybe you got a different drink. You got, you got like endless soft drinks or something. You're like, you come to the end of the meal and you're like, you know what, this has been good. The conversation's been wonderful. The food's been delicious. I'm gonna treat myself to a dessert. So you get a dessert and then all of a sudden the bill comes and you go like, why do they put the worst part of the dinner at the end? Like, I'd way rather pay for all this at the beginning, get it out of the way, and then just enjoy the rest of it. Bedtime for parents is a little bit like that. You've had a great day. You've had fun with your kids. You're, like, enjoying things. And then all of a sudden, 7.30 p.m. hits, and all hell breaks loose. And you're like, I don't know who I am. I don't know who these kids are. I don't even know if they're, like, what is happening here? You're chasing them around. You're asking your two-year-old, four times, did you brush your teeth? You put her to bed and then she says, I didn't brush my teeth and so you're bringing her back out. And then you've got three different types of toothpaste, which I don't know why we do that to ourselves. Just give them, like, minimize the choices, parents, but we have three, you're like, what one do you want? And they're hemming and hawing for about 45 minutes and you finally get all that done and you get them to bed and you think you're done and then you're up 10 more times before they go to bed. And sometimes these nights result in like yelling at our kids and yelling like, we're not screaming. Um, if I can go to a level 10 in my voice, it's probably like a six or a seven. At times, that's where my voice level gets to because I'm just so frustrated that these kids will not just put themselves to bed. And it's just like, mom, dad, just one more story. And it's like, I don't have any more stories. I don't know a single more story, you know? Obviously not true. Well, just, I, I, want, I want water. We already gave you water in a different cup, you know? And it's just like constantly different. And sometimes these nights are incredibly stressful. And yet I, I reflect on the fact that we wake up the next morning and everything's okay. Now take this whole perspective from the perspective of a child. Our children are on the other side, confused what's going on. Why are we getting put to bed early? What are, why is mom and dad getting upset with us? I already brushed my teeth. Like I told you that three times, but you're asking them. And all of a sudden, and in that moment, they understand mom and dad are not very happy with me. And they go to bed 
and by the end there's some level of resolve, but they wake up in the morning and this is, this is what they don't do. They don't wake up in the morning and go, gosh, I wonder if mom and dad are still upset with me. I wonder what repairs I have to make this morning with mom and dad in order for them to love me today. Man, I, I got to do something for mom and dad because like I was difficult during bed last night and like, man, today's going to be really, really terrible if I don't somehow like fix that. Oh, you know, like last night I was like, so you know what, I'm going to really, I'm just going to try my best that I can be accepted. You know, it's really interesting. Our kids don't wake up asking themselves any of these questions. In fact, what they do is they wake up and they go, can you put on Coco Melon? And we're like, okay, sure, no problem. Because we're not waking up upset with them. You see, for a lot of us, when we see our Heavenly Father, we wake up like, like that, that, that version of the child that asks all these questions. What, like what, how is God angry? And like, what do I need to do to just feel settled inside and everything else? And what God says is actually, no, my child, you can live a weightless life. John 15, 1 to 17 gives us a bit of a clue of what it looks like to live out of our identity as children of God. One of the things that I struggle with is that the disciples that followed Jesus had an opportunity to live with him, do life with him, eat with him, um, study God's word with him, serve with him for three years, day in and day out, all day got to live with him. And sometimes one of the, th one of the things that I think in, in our local churches today is we just don't have enough time together in God's presence to actually be formed on the inside in the way that God wants us to be. And it's why we started these locals where it's like with a group of people, a small group of people within our church, you can actually eat and, and, and serve, eat together, serve God together, um, serve the communities that we live in together, study God's word together, be held accountable to, to a, a level of spiritual formation together. And in John 15, 1 to 17, it starts to give us a bit of an idea of how we can move from this idea that we equate God, our Heavenly Father, with some of our earthly experiences, and we start to understand His holiness and His purity and His love for us. And in John 15, verse 1, it says this, I am the true vine, and the Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. We're going to get into that later on in this series, this idea that God prunes us not to hurt us. Discipline isn't meant to hurt us, and discipline is not the, what we think about um, when, when we equate it to God. It's not what we think about in, in terms of earthly discipline. It's much different, but it's there to actually grow more of the stuff we actually want in our lives. He goes on to say, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And then this is what he says. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Remain in me. Other versions and, and uh, just slightly different words on this passage um, um, say this, abide in me, remain in me, abide in me. One of the ways that we start to understand the love and the glory of our God, one of the ways that we can move past the criticisms and the, and the expectations or perceived expectations and the trauma of our childhood that we bring into adulthood so that we can actually lie before God, we can stand before God, we can be before God in innocence and wonder and joy and weightlessness one of the ways we do that is by abiding and remaining in Jesus Christ. Sometimes we want the fruit, but we're not doing the work of remaining in Christ 
to see that fruit happen. We're so focused on the external that we, we forget that God actually wants to form our internal. See, God is about our spiritual formation as much as he is our earthly success. In fact, the earthly success is not something that's very close on his mind, but it's actually that internal formation. It's that spiritual formation that aligns all of these things that we've picked up throughout our lives, whether it is in childhood, or maybe it was during our teenage years or preteen years, or maybe it was those moments where we just moved out of the home and we're wondering and just setting things up and we got hurt or burned or somebody turned their back on us or betrayed us or told lies about us or told secrets or whatever it is. And we've been using those things by abiding in Christ, by abiding in Jesus, by remaining in the vine, by, um, by being attentive to God's word, by, by showing up to church, uh, our, the gathering of our church every single week, by being a part of a local, by surrounding ourselves with Christian community, by finding ourselves in silence and solitude, by doing the work of abiding in Christ, that is where we receive the renewing of our minds. And that is where we start to begin to understand the beauty and the love of who God is. Exodus chapter 34, 6 to 7 is the first time that God tells his people what his name is. Moses, who is a, a guy that was leading um, God's people out of ca- captivity, says to God, God, show me your glory. And at this time, because Jesus had not yet come and had not become that free gift of salvation for us. Um, God says, no, I mean, that's actually, my glory is too much for you to see, but I will tell you my name. And so he passes in front of Moses proclaiming, and he says, the Lord, the Lord. And in our English translations, we say the Lord, the Lord, but, he, but, it, but his name is actually Yahweh, Yahweh. The compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Now, that is one of those hooks that's going to keep you coming back because we're going to deal with that verse and that idea of punishment. And to, to generations, what does that look like? I can reassure you, even before we get to that message, that there is not a generational curse on your life. We will talk about that. But what I want you to get, and what I want you to actually hear in, the, in, in what God is saying, what his name is, this is the first time he is describing who he is. In fact, I will say this as well. This verse in the Bible is the most quoted verse in the Bible by the Bible. The most quoted verse in the Bible by us is often John 3.16. For God loved the world, uh, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son that we may be, uh, that we would not perish. But um, why am I having such a hard time with the most quoted verse in the Bible and have eternal life? Somebody off camera is like, I'll help you out. Um, Whereas Exodus 34, 6 to 7 is actually the verse in the Bible that is most quoted by the Bible. Now we got to pay attention when this happens and why am I sharing this with you? Because if we're to move from a place of understanding our, our, our earthly understanding of fathers and mothers and authority figures and, and guardians that maybe disappointed us, if we're to move from even good fathers and mothers, my, I mean, my mother and father, if I haven't said it yet because I usually say it all the time, they're the best people in the world. I absolutely love them and I, and I have very 
few critiques for them. In fact, I don't really have any, especially as I become a father myself. I'm like, man, those guys are saints. And yet they're not God. And we have to move past that. We have to move past our understanding of earthly parenthood to understanding who God as a heavenly father is. And here he is, the most quoted passage of scripture by the Bible itself. And God is introducing himself. And as we begin to abide in Christ, as we begin to abide and remain in the vine, as we begin to immerse ourselves in Christian community, we immerse ourselves in these things, we begin to understand what God is saying about himself so much more. Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. And that's what we're going to focus on in this series, because our Heavenly Father is one that has compassion, is gracious when we fall, he's slow to anger, unlike a lot of guardians and parents and our experience of growing up in households that were actually filled with animosity and anger. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. He doesn't just have a little to give to this sibling and a little to give to that one or a little to give there and we're always fighting for it. No, he's abounding in love. He doesn't just show up in the key events. He doesn't just show up or miss events or things in our lives and the micro disappointments we sometimes had with parents. It says he is abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving the things that we think that separate us from God, through Christ, he forgives the wickedness and rebellion and sin. And today, we can walk away with the hope that there is a way to move from whatever view we have of parenting and fatherhood and, and being a child, and we can move into a heavenly father, a heavenly vision for family, and we can wake up like my kids do every day, not trying to prove our worth to God, but living from a perspective of worth in God's eyes. And so today, I want to ask anybody here watching and gathering together, maybe you've had some issues and struggles with growing up and, and in your own childhood, some of the things that I said, maybe they were even a little triggering for you. And you're wondering, man, I wonder today, could I be a part of the family of God? It's really simple actually. Jesus sent his one and only son to pay a price on the cross for us that we could not pay for ourselves. What price was he paying? The price of sin. You see, early um, in, in, in creation, sin entered the world. And it didn't stop. I didn't stop sin. I kept on sinning. And it's that sin that separates us from a whole and a full relationship with God. Some of us try to earn our way into relationship with God, but it's always our sin, no matter how small or big it is, that separates us from what we truly want from God. The only way to get that full relationship from God that we desire is actually to just receive something that was done for us by Jesus Christ himself, our big brother, so to speak, on the cross. When we accept that, we actually get brought into full relationship with God. There is no longer anything that is separating us from God. Sin is like this disease of the soul that it seeks to destroy who we are. And yet Jesus is the antidote and the cure for that disease. It allows us to live in health before God and allows us to start seeing him from that perspective of compassion and graciousness and abounding in love, forgiving wickedness and sin and rebellion. And today we have an opportunity, if you're watching, to actually receive sonship and daughtership and being a child and a part of the family of God by simply saying, Jesus, 
I accept what you did for, uh, for me on the cross and I want to follow you. So if that's you today, if you're watching live online, you can indicate, I want to raise my hand, I want to make that decision. I outwardly want to make that decision. If you're watching somewhere else today, you can make that decision in your heart and I'm going to pray for you. Jesus, we live in a world and a time where, quite honestly, we have fewer and less and less examples of what good parenting looks like. The rates of divorce are through the roof. And there's reasons for that and there's a lot of stuff that happens there. But in the midst, there's often kids and those of us that grew up in homes and just not quite understanding. There's a bit of a disconnect between what we wanted out of our parents and what we actually received. The expectations that were placed on us sometimes and sometimes the criticisms. Sometimes the trauma of real events that happened in our lives. And God, today what we're asking is, God, may you, may you bring us into the family of God through the price that Jesus paid on the cross. May you fill us with your spirit so that as we are led by the spirit, we may actually be children of God. Lord, I pray that you would have your way. God, have your way in our hearts today. And may you be glorified to this decision that is being made, uh, that is being made today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you made that decision today, in just a moment, Pastor Emma is going to come up and give you more uh, uh, instruction on what to do. But I want to pray one more prayer because this is a five-week-long series and it's going to go deeper every week. But if you're here today and you've been struggling, you've you actually you've made a decision to follow Jesus. You would say, yes, I'm a child of God. I'm part of the family of God. But maybe you've just been struggling with what it looks like to be a child of God. In fact, you've been struggling with the image of, of, of God as Father because of, for whatever reason, any of the things that I mentioned before. That's you and you're just, you're needing some level of reconciliation and you're asking God's spirit to lead you through this process over the next five weeks of beginning under, to understand who he is even more. If that's you, wherever you find yourself, why don't you just acknowledge that in your soul and I wanna pray for you. Jesus, I pray for those of us that we, we've made a decision to follow you. We know we're a part of the family of God, but being a part of the family of God and understanding who you are as father, we've been really struggling with that expectations, criticisms, trauma, things that keep us from you. God, we, right now we pray that you would break down what the enemy would seek to build up in our lives to keep us from you. God, we pray that you would break it down and create a fullness of the relationship that we actually have with you. God, may you reveal yourself in purity as our Heavenly Father. We pray this in Jesus' name and everybody say, why do we stand up wherever we find ourselves? And why do we begin to worship God out of these truths that we just learned today? Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.